I get, I call myself a happy presenting person because maybe overall, I think I, I just mill over things a lot and take a long time to reconcile things and Everybody and welcome to Authentic on Air. We've already had our first mistake of the day, so it's out of the way. I'm happy. Um, today, I am here with Anna Rhodes, and I can't think of a guest I've been more excited to have on so far. Um, she is kind of a hero of mine, so we'll talk more about her heroism in a minute. <laughs> I don't think I don't think she sees it that way, but for me, it's a it's a kind of a big deal. Um. Anna and I kind of existed in each other's orbit for about eight years, and the number of conversations we had ever had online or in person could have been counted on one hand, literally. Uh, this started to change when tragedy struck the Rhodes family. I found myself crying helplessly while in Anna's DMs trying to compose a message that was inspirational or life-changing, or I don't really know what I was looking for, but I don't think I ever figured anything out. Um, it didn't really matter. Anna was in a coma, and she may never read another message. Paralyzed, I watched the situation develop from afar, having never so tangibly confronted my humanity as an adult. I felt like a wuss. Anna's husband, Mike, was being super dad and parenting by himself. Her family was terrified and praying that she would pull through, and people who were her actual friends were holding vigils and planning meal trains for her family. Paralyzed, I watched my Facebook feed for updates and did nothing. Well, Anna's here in the studio today, so obviously she made it through. Um, but here's the crucial part. As she recovered from her near-death stroke, which left parts of her literally paralyzed, although temporarily, the emotional par paralysis I experienced became so insignificant. So quickly for today's reflection, what paralysis are you, viewer, are you listeners at home experiencing right now? Have you recognized it? Have you given it a name? What can you do to break out of that pattern? I really hope you take that and think about it as we talk through our show today. So Anna avoided getting stuck as she leaned in and shared so much of her story in recovery with her thousands of followers and made us laugh while doing it. Her swollen feet pics, talk of adult diapers and self-deprecating stories became something I looked forward to and interacted with as much as possible. She had become a hero to me and I'm sure to many of others as well. It seems to me that her experience had removed all fear of Anna, of the transitory BS of judgment and peer comparison, and led to a path of being unapologetically authentic. Anna Rhodes, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Bruce. That yeah. was so sweet. You're like a poet. Well, I mean, <laughs> some have said, no, I'm just kidding. I, I, I like to write about things that are important to me. And, you know, my wife was like, you don't have a crush on her, do you? You spend more time crafting messages that you write to her than you write on my birthday card. <laughs> Fair. It's just so different because I know what to say to my wife. I, even whenever I'm being, you know, thoughtful and sweet, it just comes out. I was paralyzed because I just wanted you to be okay. And then, you just were, you were so okay. How did somebody do that? I was in awe. So I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I never knew what to say. I was like, this message just made me feel so like empowered. Whenever you 
fell on your face, sliding. Or what, what, how yeah. exactly did that story happen? <laughs> uh, we do a mother-son's baseball game every year for Mother's Day. And they're 12U now, so it's yeah. getting pretty serious. And, um, yeah, I hadn't tried running yet, and that was my first attempt. <laughs> I oh, got a hit, took off for first base, and just... It was real bad. And, you know, that was public enough, but you didn't leave it there. You <laughs> recounted the story on Facebook for, like I said, you're, you know, over a thousand friend and follow, friends and followers. And I read the story and was in stitches. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And, like, briefly, I was not sure it was supposed to be funny. Am like, I supposed to yeah. laugh here? Because I, it's, it's like, uh, but I did. Yeah, I think so. I think that's always kind of my way of working through things is like in the moment I was about to cry right. and I wanted to just walk off the field. So, of course, I turned it into something funny, something that brings me to the other side of it. It yeah. makes it seem less tragic or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and. It, it definitely could be tragic if you look at it from the wrong perspective, but mm -hmm. you've been able to take a perspective of really, it seems like I, I'm not around you all the time, but it seems like you've really been able to focus on the joy in your life and laughter and humor whenever there's so much that you could focus on and be sad about. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be real about that, like there, there's been some really dark times and some of that was only exposed to the people right in my tight circle right. and um but they really like keep cheering me on and so I just push to be the person that you know heals and keeps growing and carries on and fights yeah and so I was talking with my friend Derek yesterday on the show and he, we were talking about how he whenever things are hard he disappears like, he doesn't let his friends show up for him. Mm -hmm. He's like, he, when people do that to him, he gets mad. He's like, how dare you? Like, I, I'm your friend. You need to let me friend you. But then when that, when it hits him, he's like, no, you don't, you don't friend me. I friend you. <laughs> like, right. That's, that's right. how this works. And so for you to say that, you know, that was for the people who were directly around you, I, that's still brave. You know, like, yes, there is a strength in being public about so much, but there is stuff that's still belongs to you mm -hmm. and you know and I think that's really what it's about whenever you start figuring out your identity as an adult is what is for you and what's for them right just because you want to be authentic doesn't mean that you have to give everybody everything yeah sometimes being authentic is saying no that's not for you right yeah no that's a good point um that reminds me of when you and Kate were talking talking about like what is authenticity versus like trauma dumping on a stranger because <laughs> it's true like it can you can go the other way real quick yeah, absolutely like, yep no that wasn't it's like i don't know you but um, kate always uh she always talks about like a hallmark conversation mm -hmm. whenever you're watching a hallmark movie it's like oh hi my name is um joanne and here's my entire life story and everything that's ever <laughs> yes. gone wrong and, and the yes. person's just like oh wow and they solve it and they're like, <laughs> it's like, it's not like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. No, so, yeah, we try to stay away from the, the Hallmark conversations. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so nice to meet you. Here's everything. <laughs> so let's rewind a little bit. Um, tell me, in your words, who you are, what you do, and why you think you're here today. 
Oh my gosh. Um, there's, ooh. I mean, you could start with your roles, right? Like wife and mom and friend and daughter and all those things. Um, and beyond that, like, I think I'm just a person who thrives on experiences, new experiences. Mm. Um, and I like for those experiences to be meaningful. So I think, you know, overall, I'm just, I don't want to waste life and I don't want to, like, I very rarely think more than 10 years in the future, which may not be a very adult thing, but that's, that's the truth of it. So, um, yeah, I, this is kind of a little summary. Yeah. Um, so how much of this, which if you don't mind, I'd like you to kind of talk about how you ended up in this situation, um, in which you were in a coma, because I don't think that's my story to tell. I'd, I'd like you to tell that if you're okay with it. Yeah. And then also how that affected that not thinking 10 years in the future, like, was that something that you've always had? Or is that something that this situation has, you know, if nothing else cranked up and made mm -hmm. more, you, you more immediately, more immediacy in your life? Okay. I'll answer the second question first because I'll forget it by the end. Um, <laughs> but I, yes, I've always been this way. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and it feels a lot of like why I do what I do, but I was a birth worker and I decided that I wanted to be a surrogate because I still had a great working uterus and I didn't want to use it for myself anymore. So why would you just like not share that? You sure, know? why not? Yeah. So I decided to go ahead and do that. And, um, and in the process, we had like kind of some little stumbling blocks that like looking back, maybe you could have seen as red flags. Um, but I was just so determined that I kept pushing and pushing and mm. doing everything I needed to do to be able to be a surrogate for these people that we met online. So, um, I go ahead and get the embryo transfer. This is their first positive pregnancy test. They've never had a positive pregnancy wow. test. Yeah, she had done IVF a handful of times and nothing ever took. And so it was it was a big deal and it was very exciting. And then I think I need to mention that I had a heart valve issue prior to this happening, but I was cleared because it had never been an issue for me. I was mm. still like very active and just, there was no reason I'm not doing drugs. And right. so all the things that would put you at risk for, <laughs> yeah, right. All the things that would put you at risk for having complications were not, not a thing for me. So, um, embryo transfer, positive pregnancy test. And then about 13 weeks into the pregnancy, I get COVID. Mm. During COVID, I get pretty sick and dehydrated, and I have to get, like, a handful of uh, IVs. And I guess the uh, hypothesis is that one of those IVs introduced staph into my bloodstream. And that carried on and started an infection in my heart. So it just kind of latches onto that crappy valve and wow. starts shooting off clots everywhere. And I... Uh, have like, I don't know, some double digit amount of strokes 
like tiny. Really? Yes. It was it was mostly small ones, but they just kind of keep happening. They can't get the infection under control. Um, I go septic. <clears throat> I'm like not responsive at all. And they're wanting to do heart surgery, but Oklahoma is complicated and you know, they don't feel super com- comfortable doing that on someone who's pregnant, even though mm. this pregnancy is not viable without me. So right. um, we are able to get in touch with a surgeon in Kansas City. And so life flight over there. Um, once I get there, they get the infection under control and I don't have to have the surgery. So I carry on. I stay there for like a month. And end up coming home and recovering. But, I mean, it was a long recovery. Like, I couldn't lift my arms. I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't talk. I was intubated for a long time. Um, you know, I had an NG tube when my kids saw me. And they were like, what is up your nose, Mom? So, <laughs> it was pretty... I, I can't imagine how scary that could have been for your kids. Oh, yeah. I had... Uh, how old was she at the time? She's five now, so she was probably like four, just about to be four. And she like would not come near me, and that was that oh was pretty God. hard. Yeah, because I just looked so different. Um, but yeah, got home and kind of recovered, and ended up carrying that pregnancy to term. And baby is healthy and fine. Um, I went on to have heart surgery. Um, and overall, I'd say I've mostly recovered, but strokes are just funky and kind of leaves you with some brain damage. So I don't, like I I had talked to you before this happened, so I I don't notice a difference. And I, it's just so amazing that you had multiple strokes. So, you know, I was in the emergency medicine field for a long time and I'd seen what strokes do to people. And whenever I heard that, I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe this. This is so bad. This is somebody I know. And I was, you know, feeling very, very personally hurt by it. Like, how dare you, God? Uh That's, you know, and to to see you come out on the other side and like, really, for anybody who meets you, they would have no idea if you didn't tell them. Like, wow. (laughs) Which is good and bad, right? Exactly. Absolutely. (laughs) There's definitely both sides to that. Yeah. Definitely both sides of that. But you can then you can just keep it as a as a trump card just as soon as somebody like treats you like I'd be like, well actually I was almost dead. So For how do sure. you feel now? For <laughs> sure. Anytime I use my handicap parking pass, I get I get the looks. I'm like, I know I present as a healthy normal thirty seven year old, but how long I, have you even been driving now? Like I remember you couldn't drive for a ooh, while. I couldn't drive for about six weeks after open heart surgery. So that was back in September. I've been driving, you know, nine months or so. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I just remember seeing that and be like, oh, she can't go anywhere. Like, I thought you were a bit of a goer. Um, Yeah. So it was like, ooh. It was rough, yeah. I had to Uber places. So do you know overall how long you were unresponsive? Uh, In my, like, if I kind of put it together dates of everything, I lost about a week of my life that I can't remember. So even if I was responsive to, you know, physicians or whatever around me, I was not. 
was I, you have to remember I was watching a lot of this over my wife's shoulder because I don't even know if we were friends on Facebook at the beginning. Um, was there a period in which you didn't remember your husband? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like yeah. looking back on that, how does that make you feel? It's sad. It's like, really sad. Wow. I always remembered my kids though, and I think that's weird. I'm, I don't know. They one they came out of your body. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they're like little extensions of you. I I can understand that. Yeah. You know, I'm as important as our spouses are. You didn't make them. Like, yeah, that's true. My, you might have made him what he is now, but you didn't make him. <laughs> um, how how has your marriage changed through this process? Oh man, ooh, that's a whole unpacking in and of itself. Um, hold on, she got to get ready. Okay. Yeah. So we had had I. First of all, I have to say I really valued like your conversation with Kate and the openness that you had there about like learning to be vulnerable with one another yeah. and because that resonated so much for me. Um, my husband has um, he has struggled with addiction, and so over the course of our marriage, it kind of became this walls up scenario like he wanted to be loved but he didn't feel like he was good enough to be loved and Mm -hmm. then he would mess up and then I would feel like I needed to protect myself and so it would just kind of go back and forth that even when he was in a good place I couldn't like relax or be super close to him I'd be kind of close so I think whenever all of this happened He was, I had to depend on him. He was the only person that was there with me consistently. I had, you know, siblings and my mom and stuff come and go, but I I needed him and I needed him to be there in a way that I had never allowed him to be Mm -hmm. before then. So I think it was super great for that reason that we were able to reach a spot where, hey, like, I can actually let my walls down because out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Um, But it has helped us in moving forward and kind of letting some of those things go and realizing, you know, that doesn't necessarily serve you anymore. I mean, we had a very similar situation in which our marriage changed drastically um, because Kate got Lyme disease and she was down. Like that's whenever, that's the first time I met you is because you came over to cut her hair because Mm -hmm. she wanted to, I'll cry. cry. Uh, She needed to feel pretty. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was to this point where I had to walk her to the bathroom. I had to feed her every meal. If she'd go out to, no, I didn't have to like hand feed her. I, I made I made every meal, brought it to her, took her plate, stuff like that. Because like she could, small movements were fine. She couldn't get up by herself. If she'd try to go do something like go out to her garden, she'd call me and be like, "Hey, I'm stuck." And so, she needed to feel something special. But in that in that situation, we had to get into this point of dependence that we'd never been in before. Right. There was no room for walls. There was no room for for either of us to hide from each other. Mm-hmm. If I had, if I had tried to hide like I'd had before, like I'd been a liar and you know, I, you know, infidelity has been something that has happened in our relationship and all, there was no room for any of that. 
Like, you know, that stuff had happened, you know, in the past, but there's still, you know, all the stuff that remains is still there. But whenever you're like, this person, I could have lost them. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're still, they need me. Yeah. You just have to, you have to do it. Yeah. And then the person who is in the opposite position just has to let it happen. Like, you, you physically can't stop them from loving you in that way. Right. And it, I mean, it changed everything for us. Like, yep. she realized that I do love her enough to do whatever it takes. And I, for one, I also realized, like, I don't know if I could take care of a person like that. But then I realized when it's your person, yeah. you just do it. Yep. And so, like, yeah, from that point on, everything started to, we built the foundation to then learn how to communicate. That was 13 years in our relationship. I know. That's <laughs> no, same for us. We had no idea that we'd never really talked. Yeah. Like, it was like, we've been together this long, and we haven't actually gotten to know each other. Like, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I don't know how Kate is, but I'm phenomenal at being vulnerable in friendships. Like, yeah. I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can... I can pour out my heart and soul to, you know, my best friend, but I'm like, why can't I do that with him? And so, man, that was the best thing to come out of all this. I mean, and, and the reason why it's so different with friendships is because we, like, as spouses, we have the keys to your heart. Like, you know, you can, you know, give your heart to whomever you want. You can share yourself with all your friends or whatever, but I still have the key to my wife's heart. Even if she wants to like try to lock it up, I know that I can still get to her and that, that can be good or bad. You know, that if I, you know, when my parents got divorced, they still had the keys and they, they used them all the time. They'd come up in that heart house and just wearing muddy shoes and stomp around and kick the door down. They still hate each other and they still can affect each other. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's almost 25, 30 years later. That's and it's I mean that's why I don't know, especially whenever it comes to being yourself, like doing that with your spouse is so important. Cause like if you're if you're lying to yourself or to your spouse, they can't really be there for you. Right. You know, if you're hiding things from them, it's like how can they support you when they don't know what's going on? Mm-hmm. And that's I mean, that's something I struggled with big time. It's like I just, you know, I was I learned that whenever I started being proactive and telling Kate, things about me that were happening or like I was dealing with or I was struggling with or whatever. She was so accept, like she accepted me. Right. And she supported me whenever I, she found out things in retrospect and was surprised all the time. And I lied about it. And of course, her heart was bitter. Like, who likes being surprised with negative information? It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely encourage those of you who don't do it show up as yourself or your spouse. It's like, it makes such a big difference. Yeah. So how, like, are you happier now? Um, I've actually had this conversation with, I mean, you mean happier in marriage or in life? I mean, aren't they connected? Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely happier in marriage. I, over in life, I, uh, I call myself a happy presenting person because maybe overall, I think I, I just mill over things a lot and take a long time to reconcile things. And 
because of the ratio of how much of that happens versus how much I'm like laughing, smiling, you know, cutting up or whatever. I don't know. I don't know that I would call myself happy. I think I would call myself um, contemplative. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not that you're unhappy. It's just that you're, you're in a state of figuring it out all the time. Yes. Mm. Yes. So I was, you know, in one of my previous episodes, we talked about the importance of going back through your, your own story and kind of mapping things out as they happen, like figuring out your formative moments and the things that really help shape you. Do you feel like that would be something that might help you not have to think so long so you can enjoy how you, like being able to draw from all the all your data points from your past history versus like just trying to figure out everything brand new every time as it happens? Yeah, yeah. I think anytime I've gone to therapy, it's because something's happening right now. Right. <laughs> and so we deal with whatever is happening right now because mm. it's just kind of been, you know, one thing after another. Mm. And so we kind of do damage control and maybe never get back to, you know, childhood things or your original family unit or things of that sort. But yeah, that would be, that would be super beneficial to go back and do that. I mean, I like, for me, it didn't happen until about a year and a half, two years ago that I started to dig into my childhood and I was like, I am so affected by this still. I felt like, I mean, I felt like I played the biggest trick in the world on myself because I thought I was in control. And I was like, I am not. Like, I am really being puppeted by my parents to this day from the things that they did. And it's, you know, not all of those things were bad, but some of them were. And it's not that they're bad people. They're trying to hurt me. That they, they did the best they could with what they knew and with what they had. Mm-hmm. For me now, looking back, I was like, you should have got more. You should have learned more. You should have tried harder. Because, yeah. I mean, I try. Of course. Like, so... Yeah, that, that that piece of information of your childhood, it's like, I mean, that's like the Rosetta Stone. Like, it is like, as soon as you, like, you translate it and you you realize how many different places it fits into your current life, it is, it is really life-changing because the self-awareness it provides really helps make decisions going forward. And that's, you know, that's why I'm so pro, like, get to know yourself is because... Like, if you don't know yourself, how can you provide what you want? Like, how can you make decisions that are in your best interest if you don't actually know who you are? Yeah. And that's, you know, I'm not coming at you. I hope that doesn't sound that sorry, way. Sorry. Like, sorry. I'm so exposed. <laughs> I was just looking I'll at your I'll do it, okay? I was like, do the work. <laughs> I think, you know, the other, the other problem with that is anytime I tried to um, dive into that step, there's, like, there's not a lot of memory there. So mm. that's going to take a minute to be able to tap into whatever part of my brain is holding on to those things and like bust into it. Do you think that there's not a lot of memory there because you just don't remember or do you think you're protecting yourself? I mean, I would hope it would be just like a protection. Mm. <laughs> you're like, I don't know. I don't remember if there's anything to protect know. myself from. I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> No idea. Um, it's been nice having my brother. He moved here after all this happened. And, 
there's a lot of stuff that he remembers that I don't remember from like our childhood and stuff. Um, and obviously his perspective is going to be different than mine, but that has helped bring up some things and kind of, kind of crack the door open. Shake some things loose. Mm -hmm. What I had to eventually settle on is that because I know my, my memory is not perfect. I know I misremember some things instead of like, you know, like really like punishing myself for not remembering it right and like trying to like, you know, go fact check myself. I, do, I realize that the way that I remember it is what affects me. Like, so if I could go back, you know, and it's like, oh, well, this is actually what happened. Sure, that'd be great, but I can't. Mm -hmm. But what I remember is, is what is shaping how I act now. Right. So I just deal with, you know, I just started dealing with what I remember. And it's like, because I'm not going out and like, confronting my mom about every single thing that it's like, I remember the moment you did this, this, and this. Now I'm super pissed about it. No, for me, it's about like going back and seeing how those things affect me mm -hmm. and then just, just being aware of it. So then going forward, I don't let that thing control me. I like, like I let my present self be in charge of that thing. Yes. And that's, I think that's the, the best way I can say it as like, I am not a therapist. Like, I'm not going to, you know, to go in and tell you how to do the, the deep emotional work that everybody should do. But whenever it comes to accepting yourself, moving forward in, the, in your life, I am a life coach. So I, I think that I'm, I'm qualified to say it's okay to just do it, not agonize so much over the detail, and just, like, allow yourself to move forward. It's yeah. like so many people get so caught up in details that they don't ever do anything. Mm -hmm. And then they're 10 years later, it's like, man, if I had just started, whatever the thing was, if I had just started my podcast or if I had just started doing the emotional work, like how far would I be even if I'd only done a little bit? Sure. Probably pretty far in 10 years. Sure. So that's once again, <laughs> just opening this up for everybody because we all struggle with these things. And that's what I hope this podcast will do. We'll see like, oh, I feel that too. Mm -hmm. I feel the normalcy of, of struggling with your identity. Right. It's not an uncommon thing. Yes. You know, we all act like everybody puts on social media, like I got this figured out. No, nobody does. Like, like I've gotten more of it figured out. I've, you know, I've figured out so much more of my stuff, not than anybody else, but than, than me two years ago. I still need to figure out more. I don't think it ever ends. Yeah. You know, I was saying yesterday, I'm in probably version 5.0 of Bruce Alexander. I think it's the best version yes. yet, but it's not yeah. the last version. <laughs> no. What, what version of Anna or do you think you're on? Jesus. So, sorry, the versions don't start until at least after 18 because you're it's just programming into that phase. You're not even into your first prototype yet. Mm. Goodness. I mean, if I think of, of things that forced <laughs> me to uh, update update my version, <laughs> I would say I'm probably at about five as well. Mm. How old are you? I am 38 or 30. I, I yeah, forget. I'm 37. So. I'm either 37 or 38. I don't remember which <laughs> one I'm trying to right Like, I honestly, once I hit 35, I was like, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> Yeah. I was born in 1984. Tell me when I'm 40. Yes. I'll have a big bash. Oh, yes. That is definitely true. Yeah. So version five, what do you, you said trying to think of what forced those moments. What, what, what kind of things determine your versions? Hmm. 
big life events, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, big turning points with relationships. Um, new places of mm-hmm. living. New people coming into my life. So that's each one has maybe been a little different? Yes. Yeah. So where did you live when not here? I grew up in Washington. I did not know that. Grew up in Washington, and then I moved down here for college. So did that. We lived here. Um, Mike and I got married, and then he became a youth minister, and we moved to Texas. So mm. we lived in Odessa, Texas. Odessa, really? And that's where wow. Bauer was born, and then we ended up coming back here. So, how did how did you get out of Odessa? That's you know, I feel like Odessa is one of those places that becomes your identity. <laughs> Uh, he, Mike had a job offer with his family, so a venture, okay. which is now Organic Squeeze. Okay. The juice bar. Um, organic Squeeze. Check so that it out. brought it's us delicious. home. <laughs> What's that? It's an Organic Squeeze. Check it out. It's delicious. I do love you guys' it smoothies. Is. And we have a truck now. Oh, you do? Really? Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. Where, where does that show up? I mean, I think you have to follow the Instagram and just track it down that way. I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. It's good stuff. So, yeah, that brought us back here, and I'm sure that was, like, kind of a grandparent move mm-hmm. of being like, hey, we can get him back up here with a little job. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean, smart. It was, it was smart. I'm it's, taking notes. It's called strategy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, now's the time to start. It's like, I just need to build a business good enough to get my kids back in 15 years. That's right. Got it. Got it. <laughs> That's really good. So, something we haven't really talked about yet is you're doing comedy now. Yeah. Like, stand-up comedy, like, in front of people. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the full exposure of, I mean, com- I love stand-up comedy, and I think it's one of the most vulnerable things a person can do. For sure. Like, I mean, there are people who do it in a very, you know, they, they put on a character and they go up there. And is that, do you have a character, or is it... Is it Anna up there on stage. Yeah, it's just me. It's just me. How, how do you think that affects the way you interact with the world outside of stand-up? Um, I think I've become really observational, which I, I probably already was with people, but I like to kind of figure out why. Why with everybody. Yeah? Yeah. And just, like, hypothesize. And make up funny, funny backstories in my head. Yeah, but now you just get to share those backstories, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, what has your experience been up on stage so far? How has it been? How's it going? It's been great. I'm only three months in, and I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. Um, you know, you talked about imposter syndrome, and oh my gosh, every time I get up there, I'm like, or right before. Like, none of these jokes are funny. <laughs> Why did I make this set? Why am I going up there? I'm glad I have friends and family to laugh because no one else is. Mm-hmm. And then I get done and I'm like, gosh, that was awful. And then I watch it back and I'm like, oh, that wasn't too bad. So it takes that long for you to get comfortable with the performance? You have to survive through the whole thing, mm-hmm. go off stage feeling terrible, Yeah. wait until the video is ready, then watch it back before you feel better about it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, and you keep doing it? <laughs> over and over. Oh, my God. That is, that sounds really torturous to me. Like, 
like, I, so the, the at the fire Just department, me. whenever I would do a presentation, like, you know, I was a public educator and it was, I was good at it. But right before I'd start to be like, why are these people going to listen to me? Yeah. Like, you know, and there would be a moment whenever I'd start and I, I was, would get the, either the people hooked in or I'd make them laugh or whatever. Cause like, I like to, I think people learn better whenever it's fun or funny. Either yeah. one helps it, helps it just, you know, get built into you. Mm-hmm. So I would, once I got that, then I was okay. And then I never felt it. Like I didn't feel it again for that. Like I couldn't imagine feeling that through the entire thing. Now I might feel it again if everybody's laughing except for one person who I can see. And they're just like, yes. they're just, they're like yes. in a bad mood or they're just like, you can yeah. tell that I, like I've said, I've got, for some people I've got a punchable face. They just don't like me. They're just like, they're just like this guy, I can't stand him. Yeah. Eventually I win those people over if they give me a chance, but some people they don't. So if I can see that person, then it starts to creep back in. And it's like, well, if this person doesn't yeah. like me, doesn't care, then nobody does. Generally able to get that under control pretty quickly and say, I, I, I'm, I am qualified for this. Mm-hmm. If it's not me, then it's going to be somebody else who probably might be as qualified, but is not going to be as excited as I am. And yeah, so like, fair. once I get that, then that pushes those thoughts out how do you do a comedy set with those thoughts in your mind the entire time? Um, well, while I'm actually performing, there's less of, of the thoughts and that's probably just the gift of strokes <laughs> because I cannot, cannot, my brain cannot multitask <laughs> the way that it used to. So I'm just doing the thing that I've been practicing and sometimes I'll catch a glimpse of someone that I'm like, hey, I'm going to zero in on that person and see if I can crack them. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I'm I'm just going through this stuff, and then I don't even know what I said. And that's part of it. Like, that, that's I, part of the fear is like, what did I even say? Yeah, there? what did okay. I even say? And, you know, having Mike there all the time is great, but he's going to laugh and smile no matter what. <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad your spouse will. Kate will rip me a new one if something's not good. She is the first person to land to me and say, this is terrible. Like, but whenever something's good, she will give she will give me my flowers. But if it's she will definitely. Yeah, <laughs> she'll definitely let me know if something's not good. So like the podcast is a good idea because she thinks I'm good at it. So she can be positive. Yeah. Like our our graphic design tastes are very different. So whenever I do something that's like my style, she's mm-hmm. like, that's ugly. I'm like, you can't, you can't talk to me like that. It hurts. Art. I have feelings. <laughs> or yeah, even whenever I was in art class, she'd be like, oh. I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, I just thought it was going to look different. <laughs> she said that about my tattoo. Like my, like it, my entire arm. She's like, I just thought it was going to come out different. I was like, this isn't going anywhere. Lie to me. <laughs> Lie to me. Yes. Say something. Just say you love you it. I want the truth here. No, I mean, I do want the truth, but I, yeah. if it's, if it's going to be harsh, at least you were supposed to give it to me a little softer. Sure. Just a little, you know, I want the truth. I really do. Mm-hmm. But so a little, a little softer. Yeah. We're working on it. <laughs> I think Mike knows that I would just probably burst out crying if he had, gives me the feedback in the moment. But normally what he does is he comes back. If I retell the joke later, he'll be like, oh man, I really like how you switch that up. And like, 
Mm. You know, it basically like don't tell it the other way. But he told it. No, that's good. I mean, that, that's. Yeah. I think that is how it's really important to have that kind of communication in a marriage. Yeah. It's like do this thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of don't do that all the time, all that negative reinforcement, it, it, yeah. it just breeds bitterness. Yeah. And especially if you're trying to do something that is already so exposing as getting up on stage and like sharing your stories with people. And then also not just sharing your stories, expect, like hoping that they'll laugh whenever it's, they're funny. Like that's like that's a pretty high bar. Mm-hmm. And then if you're getting negative reinforcement about it. It might create some more content, but but it's going to make you feel bad about sharing it. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So what I'm hearing is like from, you know, the, the gathering of data so far is that you really give a lot of credit to the stroke for the, the authenticity you've embraced in this, like in this phase of your life is that you just don't have the, the mental capacity to be fake anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I think that would. That would be accurate. I think whenever all this happened, um, I don't know, I just started speaking my mind a lot more. And comedy was always the thing that I, I would just write. I mean, you know this, I would just write and post things and and process things that way. And I always wanted to do stand-up, but it was just the thing I was going to try later or Mm. whatever. And so then when all this happened, um, you know, I went to a couple comedy shows and met some people that invited me on shows immediately. And they really? didn't even know if I was good. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a huge leap of faith for them. But I keep getting asked to be on shows. So so do you, is your, is your career growing? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know yeah. what it's like at a, you know, I've, listen to a lot of bigger comedians talk about how their story has gone. I don't know how it goes in an Oklahoma city, how you mm-hmm. blow up besides like social media or whatever. Like, how do you, how do you get at the Bricktown comedy club? Like what's the process to showing there? Yeah. So I think you just network and you keep showing up. They have open mics. And so you show up to open mics, you hope somebody kind of, sees you or notices and then you know whenever they need an opener spot or something like that like Mm -hmm. hopefully you're on the brain hopefully you've left an impression yeah i don't know i'm not there yet (laughs) i'm hoping that you at least see the path so because like i I think that you i think you're going to be big i really do i think that you have a unique brand of honesty and a unique story that is not being told right now Thank like you. not just on an Oklahoma level, but like nationally. Like I said, I like I really like comedy, and I've never heard anybody talking about what you're talking about from an authentic place. Yeah. Like uh, Theo Bon is one of my favorite comedians. He talks about some of the stuff you're talking about because his dad was super old. He was like seventy whenever he had him, so he dealt with like a lot of the like older you know person stuff. Like you dealt with. It's usually strokes happen in much older people. Mm-hmm. Like once again, it's super rare that it's happened to you. So especially multiple strokes. Oh God, it still just blows my mind. Um, So yeah, you've got, you've got a unique take on something that, you know, Louis C.K. talks about how the, he likes comedy because it allows him to go to places where people don't want to go unless they feel safe. Mm -hmm. So he like takes them on a ride and he goes to these dark places, which you would never want to talk about in a regular conversation because it's too sad. It's too uh, macabre. It's whatever. But he, like, just, like, lets you 
get your walls down enough mm-hmm. to go on this journey with them and then give air to these, you know, these things that are so dark. And that's how healing happens. Exactly. Like comedy is a great tool for healing. And that's one of the things I love so much about it. Yeah. So, I mean, once again, I think that you're going to do really good, I, you know, as long as you can beat that imposter syndrome, because you have a, like, you have a story. Nobody else has that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, everybody else has a story, but your story is, is your story. Nobody can come in and tell honest story. Yeah. It's really special. Thank you. Um, I had another question that was having to do with this. One second. Oh, yeah. So we're talking about your, your, your career growth. What is your ultimate comedy dream? Goodness. I mean, I kind of asked Mike the other day, I was like, what would you, what would you think about just like, because we're public school people, what would you think about just, you know, if something took off and we just had to pick up the kids and kind of travel around and he was like, I am in. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, he is all for it. And so it's mostly me that has the reservations, I think, because... You know, that's a whole different lifestyle. It is, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I encourage it just because, like I said, I think that there's a thing there's something there and it might involve, because that was going to be my next question is like travel is a big part of, mm-hmm. you know, a, success, a successful comedy career. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how you were thinking about balancing that with your family. Yeah. That's not something that I have um, figured out. <laughs> I... I don't know. I, my kids have been through so much and I'm trying to figure out what is the balance between like stability and like also keeping going Mm -hmm. and keeping experiencing things throughout life. So haven't worked it out yet. Haven't reconciled it yet. Right. Hoping that that kind of reveals itself in time. Um, but I don't know, maybe it'll be sooner than I imagine. I mean, you got to let it happen, though, so you can't stop it. Uh, A friend of mine, her name is Kate Saffel. She'll be on the show in a few weeks. Uh, She, her husband was working as a, um, like a voice pathologist. That didn't work out. He went into sales. That didn't work out. They got really frustrated with the, really the whole lifestyle that they're living. I bought a fifth wheel, bought a truck. And just started, they went and started living on the road. She's she's a uh, business coach and just was like, I can pour myself into this business and travel at the same time. And now she's, you know, six-figure months. Like, she's doing amazing. And I was like, when they left, because they were our neighbors from across the street, I was like, what, what are you doing? Where are you going? Like, I was sad because, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I was so, like, moved by their dedication to just living a life that made them happy right. versus like, you know, we've been in Oklahoma for our entire relationship together and Kate has always hated it. So we're probably moving in the next couple months. to I think new England's where we're looking um, because we're tired of doing that also just like trying to like, I feel like the podcast is going to be a good thing for us yeah. and she's, you know, doing virtual assistant stuff. And I think that, we're going to be able to make enough to provide a new lifestyle where we don't just stay in Oklahoma because it's safe and comfortable. Right. Like, so yeah. those leaps are big. They're very, they're very big. And it's kind of scary, but it's really exciting. You know, it's so much easier to bet on somebody else than to bet on yourself. Though. Right. 
It really is. And, you know, this situation, like, I feel like my hand, the, the path was chosen for me. God provided a certain number of clues for, a while, like, a while, and I didn't listen. Right. And then he put a door in front of me, and I didn't open it. Then he opened the door, and he kicked me through and was like, this is where you're going. It's time. And then from there, it was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to start my own business. And the podcast became a, an offshoot of that. And moving became an offshoot of not being with the fire department because what's keeping us here? Yeah. Like we love our friends to death, but you know, we, that can't, we can't not fully live our lives because of other people. Mm-hmm. We have to do what's best for us. Right? right. And so we're, you know, really excited about the next, the next phase, but it is scary. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not yeah. going to lie and be like, Oh, great. No fear at all. Like yes. I'm a little scared. Kate's very scared because it's, this is her, it's kind of her baby. I'm like, I moved us down here to work in the fire department. This is this is your baby. Where do you want to go? And she's like, that's a lot of pressure. And I'm like, I, I support you wherever. Like, let's let's just go. You wanted to be out of here. Let's go before we get stuck back in here somehow. Yes. <laughs> Oklahoma will get its hooks into you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's 100%. <laughs> so in your comedy career, do you do you feel like any any qualms about leveraging your story to to create the the best most interesting set, and is there anything that's off limits? Mm. Well, I mean, I'm happy to share my story. I don't think that's ever something that's bothered me. I think um, because part of it involves another family and legal contracts, I think I'm a little I'm a little gunshot on that. Um, not that identities would ever be revealed right um and then you know anything that involves hurting other people would Mm. be hard for me and that's never my that's never my agenda to get a laugh at someone else's expense so um yeah I just kind of have to reconcile those things when I'm writing sets why is this funny am I poking at someone or am I poking at the idea that people believe about that thing and trying to bring out that thought. Um, like, for example, I don't, I have uh, kind of a, like a fling, and um, this person is transgender, and she's she was a fling from college, and so I'm like, I have a joke, and it's not at her expense. It's at the expense of you know, why would someone choose to be a woman? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like really, yeah. like you're going to, you're going to be offered a first class seat and you're going to be like, nah, put me down in baggage. <laughs> <laughs> like, put me down by the septic tank. And it's just, it's not poking at her. It's poking at like, I think maybe we're, we're approaching this from the wrong standpoint yeah. and judging people for, you know, these big things that we don't understand. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I think that challenging misconceptions is a huge part of the, of the platform that's given to comedians. Now, exactly. whether they use it or not, that's up to them. Yes. Like the plenty of comedians have, you know, made their bread and butter off of, you might be a redneck if mm-hmm. like that's, you know, that to me, that doesn't really challenge anything important, No. but it was funny. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's good. But there are also comedians who have, you know, changed the way we look at the world Dave Chappelle, like, he literally shaped an entire generation yeah. with his show. Yeah. Like, 
that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, you know, was deep social commentary. Not everybody got it, yeah. but it was there, and he used his platform well. So exactly, it's. I think it's really cool that you're thinking about those things and you're and you're willing to go there. Like I know that it's, you know, it's a little bit like I'm still workshopping it because yeah. you want it to be right. You don't right. want to disrespect the. You don't want to disrespect anybody by exactly. doing it. And I, I think that I think there's definitely a really good joke there. Like, yeah. I think it's awesome. I think it's also wild that you had a fling in college. <laughs> uh, yeah, that messed with me for a minute. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the situation, but I feel like there might be a whole, like several jokes there. Yeah. Um, that, that sounds very funny. And it's so, and it's so timely. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the whole gender issue is so like, it is just permeating our entire society right now. And there's so that's generally where the good humor is. It's like, mm-hmm. what is everybody afraid of right now? What is everybody talking about? Exactly. And that's, that's the big issue is, mm-hmm. you know, where do you identify as? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just want to identify as myself and not mind anybody's business. <laughs> what if we just saw people for just being other humans like us? I mean, my, my biggest issue is the problem with being able to differentiate a story with they. Like, if, if somebody is a pronoun of multiple people, it confuses the crap out of me sometimes. Like, wait, who? Like, who was there? I'm very confused because I thought it was Chris, but now you're saying they, who was with Chris? And then it's like, oh, so I just wish that there was another pronoun that worked for they, them. Yeah. Just so I could, just in a story, I would not get confused because I'm not that smart. Yeah, yeah, like, like our whole lives, like, yeah, this is what that means. Yes, yeah, so and they're like, nope, not anymore. No, no, no. So I can see why there's pushback for sure. Yes. Um, so let's talk. What's what's next for you? What's when's your next show? I, you have one tomorrow night, right? I have but one tomorrow night. Ugly Flamingo. We won't. This won't be published by then. So. Uh, <laughs> you're not. You're gonna show. miss it, everyone. This won't drop till Friday. So um, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, Friday I'll be at Film Row for their fourth Fridays. Okay. And I have like a 25 minute set there. Really? Out at Bricks Realty. At where? Bricks Realty. Bricks Realty. Realty. Yeah. Bricks. Oh, Brooks Realty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, they have like I guess they hire performers for the Fourth Fridays. And kind so of is this like in. is it a public show? Like, can anybody go? Yeah, like, it is. Wow. So they just kind of like block off the streets like every other festival, but then the businesses are open. Okay. So and you can kind of drop in. Where's it located? Um, on Film Row. Film Row. Yeah. I don't know where that is. It's like downtown <laughs> okay. area. Not Breakdown. Downtown. Sheridan. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll have to look that up. Um, what about further out? Do you have any, like, big things coming up that you want to talk about? Um, no. No, not so far. I'm kind of workshopping some ideas for, I mean... A lot of comedians kind of start their own shows, mm-hmm. and and so I'm trying to figure out where would be good spaces for that, and um, just still networking and getting to know people, and because we all kind of just like support each other and give yeah. each other spots on stuff. So I think that I think that getting to know people is smart for you. You've got a really great energy, and I think that that people are just going to say yes. You know, when you start asking things. Like, Hey, should I? There? Yes, we'd love to have you. Of course. Um, where can people get more on a roads? 
<laughs> I have uh, Instagram. It's on a Rhodes comedy or strokes with jokes. I love uh, that. <laughs> I'm on TikTok, but I need to create a separate comedy one because right now it's just mostly me and my kids being stupid. So we'll break off and start another one of those. Um, and I mean, I have a Facebook if you want to get real personal, but. Oh, some, some, <laughs> people, some people might. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've enjoyed following along like. The, the mixture of, you know, just regular family stuff and then also the, and here's what happened today and it's like, oh my God, that is so embarrassing. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> really, the one that really sticks with me is the, the feet pics and it's like, I feel like I can do something with this. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Because they're so swollen. I was like, that looks so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, it was no good. No, why not? Like, do you, are you still like physically... Are you, are there any side effects that still remain or are you good now? Um, besides brain stuff, I really have trouble with memory and focus and, um, I basically have ADHD now, which is great. Super. Welcome to the club. Yes. So glad yes. to have you. No, That's why you seem it. so normal to me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't see the problem. What, just... is, what is, what is that? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, time just disappears. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> like, like. We don't have kids right now. Like, they're off on vacation with some other friends. And so, um, Mike got home yesterday, and he was like, what'd you do today? And I'm like, could not tell you. Zero idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a medication for that. It's called yeah. Adderall, and I take yeah, it, because yeah. that would happen to me all the time. I just started it. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, the, in that case, if you are on the Adderall train, I encourage you... To persist, it's kind of hard at first. Like, are you feeling a little separation from your feelings? Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's very difficult at yes, first. And it is. your husband will probably recognize it and say that you're like a robot now. Yeah. That will go away. A little bit of that. Yeah. It, sure. it, it is very hard. But for me, whenever I was unmedicated, oh, I felt my emotions. And so did everybody else. Yeah. Like, I was a raging lunatic whenever I got mad. <laughs> I was like, my sad was so sad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, it came with some, re- I had no regulation of my emotions. And then when I started on Adderall, it took a while to, like, feel anything at first. And then I was able to slowly control them as they came in. And that was much better than just being a nut. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But But it came with, you know, and I've been on it for a long time. It came with every time I'd start on it, because I, you know, I went off a couple of times, you're like a robot. And like, I don't know if I can take this version of you. Mm-hmm. You're just so logical about everything. And it's like, well, I'm sorry. Like, I'll, I'll come back. I promise. <laughs> Give me some time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it really, it really does get a lot better. Okay. Good. And I've told Good them. To know. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you look at start? Uh, like two weeks. Yeah, I I think around like maybe next week you'll start to feel some normalcy. Yeah, it'll take a like a a long while to really feel like yourself and in control. Okay. But at some point you will, and it's like oh, I can both not have huge chunks of time disappear, be late to everything, and like that's oh, such gosh. a big one. It's like so late. I used so to be bad. thirty minutes late everywhere, Ooh. and I oh, I hate it now. I can't stand it. But and then I can also be a a person who feels things. Yeah. And it's like that that to me was Yeah, because we value that. Yeah, we really do. We need to be able to do. Yeah, it is but I mean, 
I was okay letting it go for a while because I'd felt so much for so long and so out of control. I was like, eh, it's okay if I'm just like not feeling anything for a while. Yeah. But I, once again, it was about self-awareness. It was about learning that and seeing it like, oh, I have to really, really overly try mm-hmm. to be cognizant that I'm not acting like there's emotion involved. And yeah. You can. You can. Okay. Yes. I think it's been just a wild ride to figure out um, all of like my mental health and mood stuff because, you know, like strokes automatically, you suffer from depression post strokes. Mm. Like it's just something that happens. And then you have, I'm one year postpartum. Oh, and wow. then you have, uh, you know, I just kind of have some anxiety now. Mm-hmm. So, so, so you were a person who didn't really suffer from anxiety before this? Yeah, not like this. Mm. Not like this. Now, there's a possibility, like, did that happen before or after you started taking Adderall? Because that's a thing that oh, can happen. No, it was before, but Adderall is definitely hyping it up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it makes you hyper aware of that energy. Yeah. That, you know, it's just like, but if you start doing the thing that you're afraid of, it'll actually make you do it better. That's good. That's, you know, that's... My best piece of advice, okay, make sure you make yourself eat at least once a okay. day. That's yeah. it's easy to forget. It's super easy. But then also, even if you don't feel like doing the thing you need to do, just start doing it. And you will notice that all of your focus, like, it's like a, um, what is it called? It's like a water hammer. All of a sudden, it'll just, mm-hmm. like, swell up and just slam for it. All of a sudden, all your focus will just, and you're just hyper-focused on that thing, and you'll do it really well. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I have a lot you of experience. Gave so many, so many uh, assignments. Yeah, um, I'll expect the, the paper back in three days. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm a really harsh professor. Do the thing. <laughs> Just do Find the yourself. Thing. Go to therapy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I encourage everybody to to do the thing like that. I mean, honestly, it's the biggest obstacle that we're all facing. Is like. Are you doing the thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah, I'm gonna because, but I'm just like as soon as I finish, as soon as I, there's always something that's like mm-hmm. stopping us from doing the thing, and if you do the thing, then you're doing the thing, and that's it feels good. Yeah, it is. Like I have a lot of people that I'm like in the social circle with have been talking about their podcast that they're going to start. Like the podcast idea for me, from the time I decided to do one to the first episode being produced was like three days. It was like, hey, let's do that. Yeah. Let's just do it. And then, you know, I was like, I'm just going to have my wife as my first guest. So until I get other guests, now I'm probably going to have eight episodes done by end of next week. Nice job. And that's, it's because like, this is a thing that felt so right to just do. I was like, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not going to say that's been everything in my life. <laughs> There's lots of things that I'm not doing the thing. I need to work out more. I was like, so that's the thing I need to do right now. I was like. My back is sore. I'll, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. Like, yeah. That's the thing I need to just do. I'll, I'll have some accountability. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my project for Professor Bruce. Just okay. turn it in Good. tomorrow. Well, as long as you have something to work on, too. <laughs> There's tons of stuff. I guarantee <laughs> you that. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to go subscribe and check out earlier episodes as well to support the future creation of great content. 
You can also follow at Authentic Identity Management on Instagram, Facebook, Threads, and LinkedIn. Anna Rose on Instagram at uh, Strokes for Jokes or Anna Rhodes Comedy. Anna Rhodes Comedy, yes? Mm -hmm. Strokes for Jokes. If you are struggling to show up as yourself and your content, your brand, or your life, I would love to help you. Authentic Identity Management does brand coaching to help you align yourself with the identity you share with the world. It's exhausting to live someone else's life. Live authentically and access the potential that belongs only to you. Contact me on social or email me at bruce at authenticidentitymanagement.com for a free 30-minute consultation. I don't want to leave without giving Anna the opportunity to plug anything you want to talk about. If there's anything that you're proud of, that you're working on, that you want to share with the world, like anything. Oh, man. Um, I... <laughs> She's well, like, oh, now that I have this That's all in the, the stroked out part of the brain. So I think um, all of my upcoming shows will be on um, will be on my Instagram. So just follow along there. And as they get added, they'll show up. Um, I, I really believe that you're going to do big things. Like I, And I hope that you believe that yourself. Thank you. Like Start manifesting it now because I think it's coming. Yeah. Um, this has been... Authentic on air with Bruce Alexander, and I am so thankful to have had Anna Rhodes on air with us today. Thanks, Anna. Thank you, Bruce. You're the best. All right. Bye, cutie best.